Welcome to Common Ground, a podcast series discussing new research and interesting projects in the field of complementary medicine. Hello, my name is Laura Christophoritis, writer and presenter at Vitaly. Vitaly is a digital platform, professional health resource and fulfillment service all in one. We specialize in complementary medicines and distribute a range of high quality, practitioner only and retail products. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the lands and pay our respects to elders past and present. Please note, this podcast is suitable for a general public audience and anyone interested in health or healthcare professionals. Today on Common Ground, I will be discussing the application of probiotics in treating small intestinal bacterial overgrowth with Carly Raven. Carly is a gut health naturopath, nutritionist, mentor, and educator. With a wealth of clinical experience, she has become a leading expert in treating complex gut health issues such as IBS, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, inflammatory bowel disease, and food intolerances. Welcome to Common Ground, Carly. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, our pleasure. So, Carly, before we dive into the specifics of probiotics and SIBO, could you explain to our listeners what exactly small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO is? Awesome. Sounds really good. And I think there's like a really simple of the question, what is SIBO? And then there is kind of like a more complex deep dive. Um, and I think sometimes SIBO can be simplified too much as just being an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. Yeah. Um, what that means is in our large intestine, we have a very big, large ecosystem um, of bacteria that thrive and that should be there. That would be expected, but we don't necessarily want that when it comes to the small intestine. But for various reasons and lots of different causes, what we can see is bacteria building up in the small intestine and overgrowing. One of the biggest things I think that um, is an issue with SIBO is people viewing it as an overgrowth or an infection that just needs to be killed and removed. So I kind of like to explain it as something that needs to be uh, harmonized (laughs) rather than killed and removed because it's really complex. It's a really complex condition. And the more that I treat it and the more that I learn about it, the the bigger it kind of becomes and my understanding expands. So SIBO in itself um, is often caused by something else. So that's the first thing that we need to realize. And then there are different types of SIBO as well, and they all require um, different forms of treatment and different types of therapies and things like that as well. Um, And what we know now as well is that it's not just bacteria that overgrow in this environment. We also have species like archaea um, that grow, uh, and this is predominantly methane um, and and species that produce methane. Um, So it has also been coined the term uh, intestinal methanogen overgrowth. And that Mm -hmm. still means SIBO, but it's a slightly different way to call it because, you know, SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm -hmm. But what you'll find in the small intestine that has been overgrown isn't necessarily always bacteria. It can be archaea and methane and therefore emo 
intestinal methane overgrowth also kind of comes under that umbrella. Mm, right. And Carly, what are the two types of SIBO that present? There's actually three. So three? we've got hydrogen dominant SIBO, we've got methane dominant SIBO, and then there's also hydrogen sulfide SIBO. Mm. Um, that one's kind of a little bit less common or, or not even less common. It's just harder to diagnose. Right. Um, so it kind of gets put out on its own um, and, and uh, you know, that was probably why you were kind of saying too because the hydrogen and the methane are the most commonly talked about and treated. Yeah, absolutely. And what are some of the misconceptions or myths associated with the use of probiotics for SIBO? Mm, I love this question. And I think, um, you know, when I first studied, um, SIBO wasn't even talked about at university. And then when I got into student clinic and had a case of a SIBO patient, I had no idea like what to do. And even more so, there was this kind of myth and conversation that we cannot use probiotics for SIBO Mm. patients because it's like throwing more species of bacteria in the gut. And why would you want to do that when you've got an overgrown environment right like when you break it down that simply it totally makes sense yeah yeah (laughs) but I think when we actually start to break down our understanding of what a probiotic is and what they do we can then start to understand how we can actually use probiotics for SIBO treatment Mm. so the biggest myth buster of today is probably the fact that yes you can use probiotics in SIBO and I use it in every single one of the patients that I treat for SIBO. But the cruncher is understanding what probiotics do, what research is behind that probiotic in terms of the species and the strain and working out matching that information and research with how the client is presenting Mm -hmm. and what, what are we actually trying to achieve for this patient. So, for example, um, if a patient has SIBO, but they've got high um, inflammatory strains of bacteria in combination with that, so maybe we've done a microbiome test and we've been able to identify there are a few really inflammatory strains, maybe they've got a bit of leaky gut going on, I would be selecting a probiotic that directly communicates within the gastrointestinal system to downregulate inflammatory pathways. And that's where I then go to the research and find and look for strains of uh, bacteria that have that action. And this is how we get really good outcomes with SIBO patients um, when we're using probiotics based off the research. Um, And it definitely can be used in SIBO patients There are some probiotics that I would avoid in SIBO patients um, and I wouldn't be going out there and grabbing like a multi-strain probiotic and um, bombing the gut with that. And I probably wouldn't be choosing a probiotic that is more of a syn, it's called a synbiotic where it's combined with a prebiotic because a lot of our SIBO patients in the early stages quite reactive to things like prebiotics. Um, So that combination could see a patient with SIBO flare up. But yeah, if we can be just selecting specific strains, the more simple, the more targeted, 
for our SIBO patients, you'll see wonderful outcomes. Mm. And what are some of those common strains that you use, Carly, particularly the ones that downregulate the inflammation? Yeah, so heaps. There are like lots that we can choose from. I mean, yep. you you only have to go on Vitaly these days to kind of go, <laughs> holy moly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it can be a bit overwhelming. It is. And um, it's good because it keeps us all on our toes as practitioner going, oh, what's this new kid on the block? Better like yeah. have a look at this. But I think the first thing is going, okay, well, what does my patient need? Mm-hmm. Are they hydrogen dominant? Are they methane dominant? If they're hydrogen dominant, they're going to be presenting most likely with diarrhea. And if they're methane dominant, they will most likely be presenting with constipation. So we're just going to go with that today. Those two really clear cut examples. It's not always that super clear cut, but just so I can kind of talk about some strains and give some examples today, we're going to talk about diarrhea and we would be looking at uh, a strain like Saccharomyces boulardii. Um, Yes. And the one that I really, really like is the Hanson CBS 5926. <laughs> right, yes. And strain and, is very important, isn't it? Absolutely. So that, like, the Hanson CBS 5926 is the information that you want. That is what is identifying mm. it and differentiating it from any other Saccharomyces boulardii that mm. might be available. Um, and so when you look at some of the research and data on this particular Espelati, it is really fantastic for any type of diarrhea-associated IBS, SIBO, uh, traveler's diarrhea, and it can also we can also get um, diarrhea-associated um, ant- after antibiotic use. So it can be fantastic if before, during, or after your patient, you know, you might be treating them and for some reason they need uh, antibiotic, you can bring that strain in during their SIBO treatment um, and see huge changes and shifts. Fantastic. The other one that is really great to talk about for constipation is the lactobacillus ruteri and the specific species and, and strain there is dsm 17938. Um, so we really want to be using that when there's methane present, the patient is presenting with constipation, but it's also really great uh, for kind of that, that general inflammation um, that you would see typically in an IBS and SIBO patient. Mm-hmm. Um, another really great general one that, you know, if I'm just wanting to kind of if you have like a really highly sensitive patient who just comes to you, they're reacting to all of the foods, they sound a bit histamine um, you know, they might have that kind of mast cell, SIBO gut picture going on. Yes. And they're like, they're just reacting to everything. Like they're just sitting yeah. there going, and not just food, but even environmental things. Um, I really love to use the lactobacillus plantarum 299B. Okay. Um, and this one is still indicated you know for IBS um, and inflammation and even IBD so I have been known with some of my IBD patients to go up to six tablets a day with this strain um, to really bring down the inflammatory cascades and pathways that are happening just to kind of really down regulate the inflammation that's happening in the bowel for a short period of time and then yeah. taper that down. Um, but it's a fantastic species and strain for just healing that gut, getting inflammation down. 
and then getting the patient ready for further treatments, especially if they do have SIBO, because they're going to be less reactive. Their immune mm. system will be calmer. They'll have less inflammation and they're just ready to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's more about that balance instead of the traditional we uh, weed seed and feed protocols that were, you know, all the rage. Oh, absolutely. And I think the more we can move away from that standard way of treating the gut, the mm. better. And if yeah. we can, as practitioners, really bring in more individualized treatment from not just from a probiotic like therapy point of view, but just overall, um, yeah. antimicrobials definitely have their place. Mm, but, absolutely. You know, when when you really understand the microbiome and these amazing species that are hanging out in our gut, they have antimicrobial effects, right? Yes. And when they're there in the right balance and an amount and they're being um enhanced properly they've got the right environment like no inflammation and infections and things like that they 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 can they know what to do our body knows how to heal itself like let's come back Absolutely. to the principles as well exactly um, but sometimes we don't need to always you know kill 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 yeah um it really depends on yeah, what, what that patient comes back with through testing, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about later. Yes, actually, we're going to talk about it right now. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in understanding a little bit more about the gut, how does SIBO testing help practitioners decide which probiotic to prescribe? Yeah, so I think from a SIBO testing uh, point of view, uh, which is a breath test, usually a substrate of lactulose, fructose or glucose. Mm-hmm. Um, that in particular won't tell us much about a specific uh, probiotic that might be indicated. What breath testing will do is tell us if the patient has SIBO. Right. And it can also help us work out what type of SIBO that patient has and even the severity of SIBO. So the higher the gas levels on this SIBO breath test, um, the more severe that SIBO is and therefore the longer that may take to treat. Mm. But if we start to look at microbiome testing, and I really prefer to use metagenomic shotgun testing in, in my practice, that's what we we use um, just for the high level of um information that we get back from that it's looking at the relative abundance of bacteria in 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 the gut we can start to look at what's low in the gut what might be high and therefore pathogenic in the gut it can screen for things like parasites and candida and all of those type of things so it gives us a really good overview but the other thing i really like about it is that it can report on metabolites that our bacteria actually produce. Right. So like before we talked about hydrogen sulfide, right? Mm. And we have a couple of like funky little guys that can hang out um, in our gut, like desulfofibrio, uh, proteobacterias and things like that. And they can actually, um, so the desulfofibrio will produce hydrogen sulfide in the gut and so what happens when you're doing this type of reporting is that we go okay so we've got a high level of hydrogen sulfide in in the gut as a metabolite being produced by the bacteria 
how are we going to shift this? And this Mm. is where we go back to the research and it might be a certain strain of probiotic. Mm. It might be a prebiotic. So four hydrogen sulfide, PHGG, partially hydrolyzed guar gum, is one of the best things that we can actually use to reduce uh, hydrogen sulfide producing species in the gut. Right. So, and in combination with that, we know that um, there would be a high amount of inflammation. Maybe this patient also has a lot of hexa-LPS producing species. Proteobacteria might be really high. Maybe they've got a bit of DNA and blood present. And this is where I'd go, okay, well, I'm going to give the PHGG for the hydrogen sulfide, but there's a lot of inflammation present here. Um, And I'm going to also give them uh, lactobacillus plantarum 299B at a high dose in combination with their SIBO treatment because maybe their breath test has also come back with being hydrogen dominant SIBO. Mm. So we might start to go, all right, how are we going to layer in in that type of treat? And I'd be selecting herbs, nutritionals, probiotics, prebiotics, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, and the good thing is that PHGG as a prebiotic is actually really great for SIBO patients because it's well tolerated. It's about the only prebiotic that we can really play with in the early days of until someone does become free of SIBO as well so Mm, yeah hopefully does that is that (laughs) helpful in kind of um painting a little bit of a picture about the journey that you know we go through when it comes to yeah individualized probiotic treatment I suppose definitely definitely and I guess the other big thing that you probably see as well Carly is the issue of motility so I guess using that PHGG would help with that motility as well, which is, yeah, is a really holistic way of approaching treatment. Absolutely. So for that type of scenario, I might go, okay, I'm going to use the PHGG, but then I'm also going to use that lactobacillus ruteri one that we were talking about earlier that's uh, yes. indicated for constipation. But that's not the only strain, you know, that's available in terms of creating really great motility. So then I might start looking at, um, you know, other companies and different products that are also promoting that really good intestinal motility um, Mm. to create a healthy bowel motion. Yeah, fantastic. And Carly, can you tell us about diet and nutrition for SIBO management? I know you have just developed your own SIBO diet called the SIBO Food Roadmap. Can you tell us a bit about it and how is it different from other diets and how can practitioners complete the training? Yeah, so I think it's really important to look at every single person's diet. You know, we, our patients eat at least three times a day Mm. and the food that they're eating directly impacts their digestive system. Mm. And there is kind of like, available on the market well what I found was that um it was a lot of restrictive eating yes like dietary therapies that was just focusing on you know when we think about the traditional diets the histamine diet the carbohydrate low carbohydrate diet um the low FODMAP diet the biphasic diet and anti-candida diet they're Mm. all just cutting out so much food Absolutely. Um, And I found 
I became really frustrated as a practitioner and then was like, okay, I think I just need to create, you know, cause this is, this is all I was seeing in my practice. This is all we pretty much do still see today is yeah. patients with, you know, highly reactive gut, lots of food intolerances, IBS and SIBO and IBD. Um, and I just got to this place where I was like, it just doesn't feel right for me. And I was almost seeing in my patients when I was treating them and putting them through some of these dietary therapies, this fear of food that developed. Yes, and absolutely. Anxiety. And I just, you know, one of our principles as a naturopath is to first do no harm. And I feel mm. like these ways of eating can somewhat do that, you know, yes. especially if the patient isn't quite mentally ready to take that on. Um, absolutely. So yeah, I ended up creating my own SIBO food roadmap, which combines the best of both worlds when it comes to uh, looking at treating SIBO, because we know that like low fermentable carbohydrates and FODMAPs and things like that, when we take them out of the diet, we get really great symptom reduction, mm -hmm. but our patients can't be on that long-term. And then we know that as early as four weeks of being on something like a low FODMAP diet can start to actually create not so favorable outcomes to the microbiome. Yes. Decreasing fiber and diversity and our gut needs that. Mm. So I created this happy world where it's like, okay, well, how can we include microbiome nourishment right from the start, you know, of this dietary therapy and what type of microbiome nourishing foods are actually okay for people with IBS and SIBO. And so over the yeah. last couple of years, I've been developing that and trialing that with my patients. Um, and then I do mentoring with practitioners and they kept asking me, well, what do you do for the diet? Just like a general, you know, normal question I suppose to ask because they're like treating people and trying to change their diet as well. And I'd say, well, actually, I don't use anything other than my own thing. And they were like, oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> Teach us, can you um, yeah. share that with us? So, um, yeah, it took me nearly a year to kind of get it out there. And wow, maybe the perfectionist in me should have just done it six <laughs> months ago. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so I've kind of uh, released that as a training for practitioners, but it's also a dietary therapy that, um, yeah, anyone can do under the um, supervision of a trained practitioner um, so that, you know, they're looking at it in, 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 and in, oh, I can't talk, and individualizing, <laughs> you know, the, the diet um, and combining that with things like, the prebiotics and the probiotics and the herbs um, to get really great outcomes with um, IBS and, and SIBO patients. And, you know, when we're eating a great diet, it, it complements the therapies that we're giving, you know, mm -hmm. it enhances the effect of a probiotic um, and a prebiotic. It just creates an environment that the patient is more receptive to treatment, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, you know, there's always downsides of, of all the various different diets. And I know in particular, the any sort of high fat diet has got that potential for feeding hydrogen sulfide producing bacteria. So yeah. that in itself can, can lead to <laughs> leaky yeah. gut and a lot of other different downstream negative effects. So yes. And it's yeah. such a mountain for people to walk, isn't it? Like Absolutely. Uh, you know, changing diet can be really complex. So I found that it was all about making it easy, making it fun, making it all done for them 
because yes. like a lot of the patients we attract are busy mums, you know, like yes. they are, they don't have time to go and write out massive lists and work out what they can and can't have and then create the recipe and then cook it and, you know, <laughs> and then Absolutely. try and cook something slightly different for their kids because they don't, not everyone's eating the same while they're doing it and things like that. So, you know, there was so many um elements that I had to kind of overcome when creating it but um yeah I'm, I'm very proud of it and I think that um you know we need to also kind of like shifting away from the the kill 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 we yes. also need to be shifting away I think from this whole starvation um definitely to the home, um, definitely really focusing on nourishment you know yes um, as much as possible yeah I agree Yes, definitely. Well, Carly, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and experience with us today. I'm sure the listeners will get a lot out of this chat with you. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. I, you know, I could sit here and talk all day about, (laughs) you know, all things gut health and probiotics and SIBO. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you.